Resurrection Assembly of God. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. May 9th, 2021. Matthew 3, verses 13 through 17. Galatians 3, verses 27 through 29. And Romans 6, 1 through 11. You are baptized. Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. My name is Joseph Lear. I am baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. How are you today? <laughs> By the way, Dustin, uh, we're on an all-time low for offering encounters today. John, Cindy, Katie, and Comey are all gone. So could you count offering today? I don't know if it was your week or not. You can? Okay. Um, uh, or Aaron, either one of you, but not both of you, as you know. Um, we don't let anybody marry to each other, uh, count offering together. Not. That's good policy. It's good policy. Thanks, Dustin. I wasn't trying to besmirch your character by any means. Avoids the appearance of evil. Avoids the appearance of evil. Man, you know, this is why I try to script everything that I say up here because, man, I, I, I stick my foot in my mouth sometimes. <laughs> uh, Kyle Campbell offering. Uh, uh, he'll be the second person. Um, so grab him. Uh, today I want to say a few words about baptism. I want to do this because uh, we're going to be baptizing some people here at church real soon. Um, we've been doing, like I said just a couple moments ago, what we have called baptism catechism for the kids over the last couple of months. Catechism is a fancy word for discipleship. Um, we were originally going to baptize on the day of Easter because that's a good day to baptize people, but we realized not everyone could attend within that time frame to get through the discipleship, the catechesis as we call it. Um, we were then aiming for Pentecost, but that's just coming up here in a couple of weeks. I'm not sure if everyone's going to be quite ready for that yet either, but we'll keep you updated. Um, one of the realities that we have lived with as Resurrection Assembly of God in Iowa City is that we have a somewhat transient population. Uh, we live in a town that has a university in it. We also live in a town where rent is just too dang high. Both of those realities make it so that there's a lot of people who are only around for a time. They can't settle permanently here in Iowa City. Um, this has been the case so much so over the last five and a half years that I've been pastoring here that I have actually prayed that God will send us some lifelong Iowa City residents so that our church can have a core continuity so that we can show proper hospitality to those who might happen to just be passing through. Um, some of you are an answer to that prayer and I thank God for you. Others of you uh, know you're only here for a time Josh and Kara, we knew were only ever here for a time. They're moving to West Virginia now. Uh, but to be clear, you know, we want to show hospitality to those of you who are passing through here uh, in the spirits. But please also keep in mind, if you know you're only here for a time, that God has called you here for a particular purpose. And if he has called you here for a particular purpose, he's called you here uh, for a particular purpose in that particular time. Anyway, the point I'm trying to make is that with the transition in people, we constantly have a resurrection. Some people might not have been here the last time we talked about baptism. 
So it's good to, you know, just kind of revisit baptism regularly to make sure we're all on the same page as much as possible. Um, the Easter season, which we are in until Pentecost hits, um, is all about baptism. Easter is all about baptism because baptism is all about death and resurrection in Christ. And I'll get to that in a hot second. But what I want to do this morning before I get to the Bible passage, just run real quickly through what we teach here at Resurrection to uh, when we lead people to baptism. And that way, again, we can all kind of be on the same page together. Um, so there's like two parts to this sermon this morning. First, I'm going to talk about very briefly what we do in baptism catechism. Um, and then I'm going to get to the Bible and just spend a couple minutes there. Um, of course, it all ultimately comes from the Bible because you'll see. So when we're doing baptism catechism, when we're getting ready, people ready for baptism, we teach kids and adults, um, but we teach them three things. The first thing we teach is the Apostles' Creed. We say it here all the time. It's the basics of the Christian faith. This morning we said the Nicene Creed, the Apostles' Creed, is a tiny bit shorter. But it's the basics of the Christian faith. It's a confession. It's a pledge of allegiance, you could say, to God, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And in the Apostles' Creed, you have the entire story of the Bible in really, really short form. So, you know, not many of us can read this entire Bible, right? And be like, oh, I got it. But the Apostles' Creed gives us kind of like a key to unlock what the entire Bible is about. It's about God, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit at the very least. And at the very most. That's all of it. Um, but it works itself out over a very long story. But the Apostles' Creed is the entire Bible in short form. The whole Bible is summed up there. So that's the first thing. The second thing we teach is the Lord's Prayer. We pray it here every Sunday. Why? Well, because Jesus said, pray this way. God always invites us to pray, to speak to him, of course, from our hearts in whatever way we might want to. Um, there's even passages in the Bible where people yell at God in deep anger. So if, you, if you're angry, just yell at God. But he also invites us to pray how Jesus taught us to pray. He's, Jesus actually says, pray this way. Um, so we do. Uh, we can't really fully pray unless we pray like Jesus told us to pray. That's why we always use it as our anchor. All of our prayer begins and ends with the Lord's Prayer. So the Apostles create the Lord's Prayer. Third and finally, we teach the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments are the rules that tell us how to live our lives. Um, the Ten, we always say, can be actually summarized into two commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So that's what we teach. We teach the kids all the Ten Commandments. We teach you all the Ten Commandments. But if you have trouble remembering ten different things, you can remember two of them. And that kind of covers the whole gamut. So that's what we teach. We teach you the Apostles' Creed, what to believe. We teach you how to pray. That's the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer. And we teach you how to live your life. That's the love commands. So basically, we're teaching people who want to be baptized how to talk, prayer, how to walk, the Apostles' Creed, and how not to be a jerk when you talk and you walk, that's the love commands, okay? Um, that's what I'm always trying to just tell you people. Don't be jerks, okay? Thanks. Uh, I, don't know if, uh, I don't know if any of you know this, but I used to be a real jerk. <clears throat> but now I'm a people guy. 
Praise the Lord. <laughs> so that's what we teach. Um, however, there's one more piece, and that is the baptismal vows. Um, the promises that we make when we get baptized. You know, when two people get married, um, they don't just come to the altar and kiss, right? They make promises to each other. Baptism is no different. Marriage promises are about as serious as promises get. Baptism promises are even more serious than marriage promises because whether you're married or not, baptism promises are a thing. Um, let me just run through them real quick. And uh, I'll just read them so that you know what we're going to be doing. If you're a baptized Christian here, this is a good reminder of what you've gotten yourself into. When we actually baptize people, we will read these questions for those getting baptized and then they'll respond appropriately. So here they are. We ask questions of the people getting baptized. The first one is, do you renounce Satan and all the spiritual forces of wickedness that rebel against God? That's a good one, isn't it? Renounce Satan. Do you renounce the evil powers of this world which corrupt and destroy the creatures of God? That's a good one too. They're all good. Do you renounce all sinful desires and draw you away from the love of God? Fourth, do you turn to Jesus Christ and accept him as your savior? Fifth, do you put your whole trust in his grace and love? And finally, do you promise to follow him and obey him as your Lord? And then we turn to them based on the Apostles' Creed and we say, do you believe in God the Father? They respond, I do. Do you believe in God the Son? Do you believe in God the Holy Spirit? And the same follows. And finally, we have a, uh, some other questions that, are all, that all come from the Bible. And the kids are all learning this right now as we speak. Will you continue in the Apostles' teaching? In fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in the prayers. Will you persevere in resisting evil, and whenever you fall into sin, repent and return to the Lord? Will you proclaim by word and example the good news of God in Christ? Will you seek and serve Christ in all persons, loving your neighbor as yourself? You see how it all comes together? We're talking about loving God and loving your neighbor, and then we make you promise that you're going to do it. Will you strive for justice and peace among all people and respect the dignity of every human being? So um, these are not questions that I just came up with on, on my own. These are questions that are asked across Christian denominations um, because we want the promises we make to look very much like all the promises that, say, the Lutherans and the Episcopalians and the Catholics and all them make as well because we believe that there's actually only one church in the end despite the divisions that separate us for the time being. So, church, that's what you got yourself in, into. You're already in it. Because you died to your old self, and now you walk in newness of life in and with Christ. In other words, Easter means that, uh, or I should say, Easter means you are a different person than you were when you were born to your mother. And that's what I want to spend just a couple of minutes talking about this morning. I'm going to read from Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, beginning in verse 1 and going to verse 11. I'm going to read it now. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus 
were baptized into his death. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. If you remember this morning, this is the second part of the sermon, by the way. We've run through that stuff, now we're at the Bible, okay? If you remember, I began today by introducing myself to you. I said, good morning, my name is Joseph Lear. I am baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. You know, there, there are other things I could have said to you, right? I could have said, my name is Joseph Lear. I'm a man, I'm a white man, born in New Jersey, and therefore a citizen of the United States of America, and now a resident of the greatest state in the Union. Don't find me about that last part, because I don't want to fight about it. But the reality is, I could have said that stuff, but the reality is that according to the scriptures, according to the Bible, according to Jesus himself, none of that stuff matters. None of that other stuff matters. What matters is that I'm baptized. The first thing I should always think about, say about, dream about myself is that I am baptized. And that's what you should do too. Why? Because baptism is about death. If you are a baptized Christian today, you are dead to whatever you were when you were born. But baptism is not only about death, it's also about resurrection. So you're a new person. Not only are you dead to whatever you used to be, you have been raised in Christ in baptism. So you now walk in newness of life in him and with him. What does this passage say that I read? It says, our old self was crucified with Jesus. Whoever we used to be is now dead. And we now live with Christ, his resurrected life. This is what the Bible says happens when we get baptized. We read, Emily read this morning another passage from Galatians chapter 3. The Apostle Paul also wrote that by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And, and what I just said about being dead to our old selves and living in Christ is why he can say what he says in Galatians chapter 3. We read it. And I don't want you to miss this, okay? Because he says... If you have been baptized, he's very specific about that. He doesn't just say if you happen to attend a church. He doesn't say if you confess your sins. He specifically says, if you have been baptized, that means there's no longer Jew nor Greek. Doesn't matter what you were born as. If you've been baptized, you're not a Jew and you're not Greek anymore. You're not a slave and you're not free. You're not male. You're not female. That's some radical stuff. Isn't it? 
My goodness. Paul can only say that, though. Please follow me here. Paul can only say that you're neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. He can only say that if you're, not, if you're no longer what you were, if you're no longer what you are, I'm getting twisted in my words here. If you're no longer what you were when you were born. Look at me. I'm a biological male. I am some weird cocktail of whiteness from Europe. The Greek generally seeps out the most. It also comes out in my hand movements. So, so much so actually that uh, this Greek guy came up to me in a Walmart parking lot once and he yelled at me, excuse me, are you Greek? And I said, well, you know, I, my, my grandfather, my great grandfather was, and he said, and he said, you look like my brother. And then he said, do you want to buy insurance? And I said, no. Back to what I was saying. I'm a white male. And I'm free in the sense that I am not a slave. But if we take baptism seriously, I am now none of those things. What I am is in Christ. I am baptized. That is the first thing and the last thing that needs to be said about who I am. And it's the first thing, the last thing that needs to be said about all of you, if indeed you are baptized. This has every implication for us as a church. Every implication. I'm going to touch on one of them. Maybe we'll get to more in the coming weeks and years, because it takes a long time to unpack what baptism is all about. But I hope you can see how important this is in particular for our unity as a church. Think about it this way, okay? If, let's say, let's say I start treating one of our deacons, Comey, in a racist way. He's originally from Togo. Let's say I start treating him in a racist way and I start saying and doing racist things to him. This is what Comey's supposed to do. He's supposed to come to me and say, hey, Joseph, you're not white. By our baptisms, we are both baptized people in Christ. You're not white. I'm not a black man from Togo, from the tribe, from the Evwe tribe. We are both baptized in Christ, which means that whatever we used to be is now dead. If we are both dead to those things in Christ, you are in fact being racist towards your own brother of the resurrection. Even more so, if we're both in Christ, that means you're being racist toward Christ. Which is kind of like being racist toward yourself. And that's not just nonsense, that's sinful. All of it. Comey's supposed to say all that. He's supposed to say, Joseph, you're baptized. Stop being a jerk. This applies to any sort of conflict in the church. We are called to unity because we are all baptized. That's why Paul can say, as many of us have been baptized, there is neither Jew nor Greek. That is why we've got to begin thinking of ourselves only in those terms. Hello, my name is Joseph. I'm baptized. And Comey or, or any one of you can respond, oh, nice to meet you, brother. My name is Comey or Aaron or Emily 
or Omari. I'm baptized too. Oh, where are you from? I'm from the grave. But now I'm alive in Christ. Oh, who's your family? Well, I was born to a woman, but my family are those who do the will of our Father in heaven. I've gone long, on long enough, I think. I hope you're getting, getting this, but I need to say one thing in closing. We can say all this about ourselves, that we are baptized people. We can say that there is no Jew or Gentile, there is no slave or free, there is no male or female. But we can all still see with our human eyes the differences between us, right? That some of us are male, some of us are female, that we have different skin. Some of us work jobs that look more like slavery. Some of us work jobs that seem to enable us to be free. This passage in Romans, coming back to it, addresses that too. Because after saying that we are dead to sin and that we now walk in newness in Christ, the passage says, so you must consider, consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Jesus Christ. See, the scriptures are acknowledging that it's not obvious who we really are. In fact, all of the evidence might point to us still being of this tribe, from this family, with this cultural heritage. But we must consider ourselves otherwise. To be a Christian is to live in this double reality for a time. There is no Jew or Greek. There is no slave or free. There is no male or female. People still come up to me in Walmart parking lots saying... You're a free Greek male, aren't you? You look like my brother. You don't look like Comey's brother. So how can we think of this double reality? You know, I think that's perhaps the most constructive way to think about it is to think of the Israelites in Egypt. The moment Moses showed up, remember they were slaves there, 400 years. If you had asked an Israelite, who are you? Well, I'm a slave in Egypt. It's probably what they would have said. The moment Moses, the great emancipator, showed up, though, and said, set my people free to the powers that be, the Israelites were to no longer consider themselves slaves. Just like the book of Romans says, consider ourselves alive to Christ. Even though they still had chains on their hands and on their feet, they were not to consider themselves slaves anymore. Even though their masters were watching with whips in hand, they were not supposed to consider themselves as slaves. Even then, they could consider themselves free. And indeed, they had to consider themselves free before their freedom if they were ever going to cross that Red Sea. In a similar way, we have got to consider ourselves free of all the ways we might be defined by this present age, and we have to do that if we're ever going to cross over into the new heavens and the new earth where God will be all in all. So let me just say it one more time, and maybe you can do this throughout your week, huh? Say it to yourself in the mirror when you're brushing your teeth or washing your hands. My name is Joseph, or Aaron, or Comey, or Katie, or John, or Jesse. My name is Joseph. 
I am baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I'm going to leave it at that. Keep saying it until you realize it is the only sensible way to introduce yourself. Amen. I totally forgot about the kids to call them. Jesse, you can... Oh, you already hit it. The sheep are coming, folks. Uh, uh, Holly, are you coming back up here? I normally put a little note in my sermon um, to remind myself to ask Jesse to call the, the baptism catechism kids, but failed to do that this time. Let's stand to our feet this morning. As we prepare our hearts for communion. Emily, David, could you help me by scooching out the table a little bit? I apologize.